0: It's Lou Rosenfeld. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rosenfeld Review Podcast. I'm with Liza Kindred. Hi, Liza.
1: Hi, Lou.
0: Good to hear your voice.
1: You too. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, um, you are here, but you're in like Santa Barbara, California, while we're still freezing our asses off in Brooklyn.
1: I'm sorry to tell you, or I'm happy to tell you, that the sun is not out today. It is dreary. Good. <laughs> I'm really,
0: really happy to hear that. Uh, otherwise, I was pretty much going to end this interview now. Instead, we'll keep it going. Uh, Liza, I guess speaking, it work. Yeah. So Liza speaking. Yeah. So Liza's speaking at our uh, April 25th virtual conference called "To Be Designed," where Liza and six other really smart people are going to take us on a tour of the near future of design—the the stuff that's far out enough to be really exciting and interesting, but not so far out that you can't ever imagine it being applicable to you, which and, is
1: a great idea by the way so <laughs> uh,
0: i I came up with it so um,
1: yeah, well, you know, so I'm patting myself on the back good, you should I, I feel like we spend a lot of time living in this far out distant future space um like our minds are there and then our everyday work, the mundane work we're doing every day has to do with like solving everyday problems. But I think what you're talking about doing is bridging that distance or that gap, which is amazing. And I'm excited to be a part of it.
0: Well, th- yeah, I mean, it, you know, we, we do kind of get caught up between the, you know, hand waving of the future and the mundane of of what we have on our plates uh, as we start every Monday off. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Happy Monday. I have something
0: that's that's something of a missing link. Um, let me introduce you, though. Liza Kindred uh, is uh, a Brooklyn-based uh, expert in uh, the intersection of fashion and tech and design and commerce. Uh, she is the founder of Third Wave Fashion, which I believe is thirdwavefashion.com. And, right? Did I get that right?
1: You got it, yeah. Uh,
0: And she's also the author of a book that O'Reilly is putting out in uh, late this summer, I think in August of 2017, called The Future of Commerce, 21 Business Models That Are Changing How We Buy. Um, Before we get to the topic you'll be covering at our conference, which is, you know, to put it over simple, to oversimplify it, it's really wearables. uh, Yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about the future of commerce?
1: Yeah, thanks. So it's my first book, and I'm very excited for it. It's those 21 business models that you mentioned, are really what I believe and what my research has shown the different methods of buying and selling things that are going to help us to kind of move into this new future. I have a strong belief that. we we can't keep doing business as usual as the technologies that are available to us and that our consumers wanna use are changing so rapidly. So the book takes a look at at kind of where we are right now and how we got to this place and the different business models that will help us get to the future that we can all kind of see and uh, we're starting to understand the shape of it, but we're not necessarily sure how to, you know, as you're addressing with the conference, how to get from where we are today to where we wanna be in the future. And so, what are some of the things that businesses that sell things could be making some changes now and structuring things in a way that they can um, not go out of business?
0: Okay, I got, <laughs> got two questions for you about this very topic. First question What is like the weirdest business model that uh, we may need to be paying attention to? <laughs>
1: Well, they're all, they're all totally normal to me. Um, I mean, I I think some of the interesting things are happening around uh, One I like is what, what I kind of call me commerce, uh, which is a lot of people look at millennials and some of the, um, the younger generations as very narcissistic where they want everything to be about them and they want everything to be about now. Uh, And, and in some ways that, that cannot be good. But in other ways, I think there's this kind of trickle up effect uh, where we're seeing a lot more personalization in not just the ways that we're being sold to, but the actual products that are being sold to us. This idea of mass customization, I think, is really changing. And it's interesting because Mass customization is getting us back to the point where we can kind of tailor goods and services to ourselves, which is actually, while it's the future, it's actually also the past where every single product was made for an individual person. So I, I think in some ways we're kind of coming full circle and technology is helping us to do yeah. that.
0: No, My daughter, who's uh, is 13, was giving me a hard time about giving millennials a hard time. I'm not sure she even really qualifies as such
1: who knows i have no idea like you could pick any one person and they could be in any three generations according to whatever researcher you're looking at so who knows i don't know you know
0: and then but you know you know really i mean like you know we the millennials get pissed off because you know they're just doing what we the older people who've been you know building a lot of this infrastructure that uh, it, just for them have been promising <laughs> And, and now that, you know, we say you can do everything any way you want, anytime, anywhere, and, and it's, it doesn't work as promised and they complain, we have no right, really.
1: I know, I know. You know, um, so listener, Lou and I are both parents to teenagers. And so <laughs> we both kind of get to experience what it's like to live with people from this new kind of native digital generation. And it's, fascinating.
0: Well, let me ask you the other question. This is selfish because, you know, this is for my business, but I'd I'd like to know if you have come across any really interesting models that someone who is in the business of selling books and conference tickets should keep in mind.
1: (laughs) Well, to be, yeah, yeah, really. Um, One of the things that I think is most interesting about my book is that all the different models that are in there can be applied in ways that are large and small. And and so a business could just like completely shift and say, all right, we're gonna just follow this one model all the way down the road, and we're gonna change the way that we're doing it uh, completely, or we're just gonna test things out a little bit. And so part of what I think is interesting is actually testing things out or combining a couple of different models. And one of the things that I know that you did with this conference is you actually asked people okay, what do you want to see? And that to me is something that very future focused uh, businesses are doing. And so I commend you for that because there's a lot of people right there, out there right now that are still kind of guessing what their consumers want and to actually ask people what they want and to co-create, I think is a really powerful tool. So good job.
0: Well, thank you. Well, we should actually move on to the conference and, and <laughs> I, um, but I will be looking uh, to get a, a an autographed copy of your book because I think I could really use it. Uh, so I look forward to uh, the future of commerce coming out Thank uh, you. later this yeah. summer. Um, I, 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 I won't say I name-checked my daughter. I guess I, I offspring-checked her, and I'll offspring-check my son really quickly. As a transition, uh, this morning I was on Amazon, and it was, a, it was a Monday morning, and nothing was going right. And I figured, well, you know what I ought to go right, is I should be able to buy six little white sockies, six pairs of socks for my eight-year-old son. <laughs> On Amazon, Fruit of the Loom, name brand, and uh, you know, for an eight-year-old, and um, uh, I bought them before and he actually. It's like one of the few things he likes. Uh, he's in one of those stages where nothing is good except yeah. the socks, and I was like, "All right, I'm going to make at least one person happy by extension. I'll make myself happy. I'll buy him the damn socks."
1: I'm going to buy socks,
0: and I couldn't. I, I Why? Bought, I bought something that. I don't know. You know, it, it was. I'm not sure I got them the right thing. It, 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 it you know, I, I had the order receipt from the last time I bought them, uh, the email from you know, I don't know, eight months ago or whatever it was, and I couldn't figure out if I was buying the same product and the sizing uh-huh. wasn't. Amazon's, uh you know, the vendors don't always put the sizing information yeah. properly. I don't know what size I got. I don't know if I got the right <laughs> style. Did I buy? You know, men's or or boys or, or you know elephants. I really couldn't tell you, and I guess ah, we'll find out knows? really soon. And, and what who I, I kind of wish there was was, you know, what what's the Amazon uh, little button when you run out of detergent and
1: you reorder? Oh, um, the dot. My gosh, I have them. Is it yes. dot? No dash. Dash.
0: All right, yeah. that's close. I need like little dashes on his socks and. Um, well, you know, they're wearables. Maybe uh, are, are you going to be telling us to to um, uh, be ready to design a future where idiots like me can actually replenish the sock supply in their households?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, the idiot is not you; it's Amazon. <laughs> I feel like what you're demonstrating is is a really good example of why Amazon struggles with. Uh, fashion, among other things. I mean, white socks are a commodity, but, and that's one of the only ways that Amazon is able to sell clothing is when it's commodity based, like socks, t shirts, underwear, that well, kind of thing. Yeah, I
0: mean, commodity, it's like it should be utility. It's like turning on the faucet and expecting water to come out, I should be able to turn on Amazon and expect socks to come out when I need
1: Yeah, it. yeah. No, I mean, they're too big for their own good. And another thing that, that I find personally very frustrating, and I know other consumers do as well, is that you never know what, what price you're paying and if it's a good price or not. Because Amazon has variable pricing. Their Prices are changed on their website. I want to say it's close to 2 million times a day. And so you never really know, oh, are these socks that I bought that were a good deal then, are they still a good deal now? And, you know, the sizing is crazy. I, I recently had an experience where we got a new dog and I bought three different doggie jackets Um all size small and it, it was so comical it, like one was for a tiny doll it was like the three bears one fit just right and one was for a giant enormous like rottweiler dog <laughs> and they all said small you know and i think what you're talking about is really something that um again gives us a clue as to as to what amazon's not doing well but also i, I don't think that what you need is a button i think what you need is Um, nanofibers that are woven into the socks that will actually understand when they're worn through and will order the socks for you. So you don't ever have to actually think about that. Or better yet, um, fibers that will actually keep themselves clean. And so you don't have to throw them in the wash. You don't have to replace them as often. That's more compelling than a button, don't you think?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, my kid doesn't necessarily want us to wash his socks for some bizarre reason. So that would be nice. <laughs> um, and, you know, I mean, like, i I, I've, you know, I'm a publisher of books and uh, that sells, you know, 30 plus titles on Amazon. And I, I can't really tell you why some are priced in one way and, and some are in another. It, it, it's this horrible algorithmic uh, miasma that, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I just want you to know as a as a seller with substantial experience there I can't really shed any light on it but uh you know getting back to the wearable side um do I really want my socks to be so smart I don't know I mean this this is this this makes me think as you're describing it uh, about like well I mean I'd like them to perform as socks better but do I want them to perform as sentient objects better I don't trust them yet. Like, if they wanted to ask my permission to buy more of themselves from Amazon, I guess that would be okay. I don't want them to just do it, though.
1: To make the decision for themselves. Yeah, I mean, there's that that question that gets asked. You know, it's like uh, Josh Clark, my... Uh, my husband and someone that talks a lot about iot he asks how smart does your bed have to be before you're afraid to get in it you know i mean yeah we that's part of the questions that we're grappling with and and that's part of why i believe so many wearables have not caught on in that we don't want them to do like crazy crazy things necessarily i mean it's fun to think about um what happens when we can connect devices to each other or connect them to the Internet. But it's also terrifying and it's scary. And and so often these things are getting hacked. And so anything that is, quote unquote, smart actually has the potential to also be you know, nefarious, which is not something that we want to have in our homes or on our bodies or on our feet. So
0: I mean, and what you're talking about is is, is true with many things besides wearables. Uh, right. I remember doing consulting for a a um, one of the the largest of the the two big home products companies uh, in the U.S. and uh, you know trying to work out a whole protocol for building trust and pr- sort of progressive disclosure of of capabilities on the website side in return for, uh-huh. you know, building trust with the consumer, you know, we'll, will we'll, will you give us more information about what you want? Will you uh, allow us to act on your behalf more and more as long as we can progressively make ourselves more trustworthy? Um, but, you know, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's true for socks, but it's true for, you know, probably for garden shears and, and ca- cans of paint and, in anything. But what, what's unique about wearables? I mean, obviously, they're on you and there's fashion associated with it. Is Do we start thinking of fashion and brand differently?
1: Well, I think so. I mean, I, I, and one of the things that makes it different is that the the data that it can track can be much more intimate. And when we're wearing devices on our body, uh, it's not just our location, which is a really powerful, um, bit of data that we're sharing, but it's like, how are we feeling in that location? And, you know, when are we stressed? And, and what is the state of our health? Um, uh, our emotions, a, a lot of these kind of gimmicky wearables are, are like, um, displaying emotions, um, taking, um, data like heart rate and, and things like that and turning it into like pretty lights and or you know showing like i'm angry or i'm sad and um maybe that's something that we want to broadcast and maybe sometimes it's something that we want to keep private uh and so i think the implications are in some ways the same as any kinds of connected devices or quote-unquote smart devices uh, but there are also the implications are are much more intimate and um and, and private in a lot of ways
0: so let's go back to those millennials and younger. You know, they are the people that are going to suddenly start using some new product or service that is truly disruptive. And if, you know, that's going to happen with wearables, that's that's the, the age group. And, and, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of, like, you know, uh, I was trying to explain to my daughter, hey, you know, we didn't have smartphones a few years ago, much less, you know, really smartphones like iPhones, Uh, And now, you know, we're all enslaved by them Uh, and we take it for granted. Um, And that's such a that was such a huge shift. I mean, you know, I I have a hard time even imagining how I fall asleep at night without my stupid iPhone.
1: I know. Or how you woke up or how you found directions anywhere. Right. I mean, I I do think that generation, it it scares me a little bit. I came from a generation where uh, we did lots of dumb shit and took pictures of it uh, but it was pictures that were like on film. And every once in a while, someone I know will upload some scans of some photos to Facebook. Uh, but I didn't grow up in a generation where people were posting in real time to Snapchat or Instagram, the dumb stuff that I was doing. And I, our, our daughter's generation, our children's generation, I think right now, understands the implications of that but i think that there's a kind of a a generation in between where before we understood the implications of it there was um people that were having stuff posted or were posting things themselves that they then later on realized they didn't want their employers to know about future employers you know Or parents, they figured out their parents could find that stuff, whatever it is. Uh, I'm concerned that similarly, there will be a kind of in-between generation with this data collection around wearables that will share the information and be open to uh, putting it all out there without necessarily understanding what the implications are. Uh, And so I think that what you're describing is a strong possibility, and I hope that we as people that are designing and and making these devices that we're able to take responsibility for um, ensuring that the data we're collecting, the information we're collecting is used very responsibly and is kept very privately and securely as well. Not sold to advertisers.
0: Well, that's one reason we're kicking off the day on April 25th with a, a talk on ethics for the AIH by Kenneth Bowles. And, and actually pretty much everyone else speaking is going to... Uh, address ethics, uh, whether I ask them to or not, Um, but I I, I mean, I'm really glad to see that. But I was actually wondering if you envision any game changer that sort of changes how those people, those younger people, most likely think about their intimate information. I I don't, I mean, like, you know, is there going to be maybe uh, some wearable that projects how we're feeling, and we want it to, and we, we don't care anymore. It changes the way we think about what we project about ourselves or what we share about ourselves. I, I'm, it's not really a fair question, because, I mean, if you knew the answer, um, you probably wouldn't be talking about it to me right now.
1: <laughs> no, I think it's a real possibility. I mean, this... <sighs> What, what's interesting is what we have now, what I would call the ephemeral web, which is, of course, things like Snapchat, um, but also the younger generations are using the internet in different ways than the older generations have used it. For instance, a lot of them on their Instagram accounts are, are constantly deleting photos. If a photo doesn't get enough likes as they wish it had, or they had great engagement on it, but they're just not really feeling like it fits their personal brand anymore. They just delete it. I use Instagram as it's like the canonical history of everything I've done, you know, since Instagram came out, I would be devastated to lose, you know, those photos. And of course, you know, we have the option to back up and we should all be doing that. Um, But, but younger children are identifying less um, with each individual piece of content that they're putting out there and they're really relating to it in this very ephemeral way. And and so I think that that shift kind of portends what you're talking about, the idea that uh, it doesn't matter, it's out there, I'll let it go. And and there's a little bit of exhibitionism for some of them, but there's also this kind of unattachment that that we're seeing happen, which is compelling as well.
0: It's scary. I mean, the unknown always is, the future always is. Um... When you're a parent that adds a, an extra dimension of of uh, fear, do you see anything in the near future at least that makes you feel optimistic hopeful?
1: Yes, yeah, it is scary, but i what makes me feel optimistic is that I'm seeing a real backlash to 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 building the kinds of tools and technologies that are are using people uh and i'm seeing so many people that are are understanding now that they don't want to work for their devices or their gadgets. They want to have them work. um, They want to instead have the gadgets and devices working for them. And and this idea of unattachment uh, and and supporting people as they become more engaged, not with technology, but as they become more engaged with their own lives. I'm seeing this movement towards that, and it has me feeling very excited and optimistic. One of the things that Uh, I've been working on is this idea of mindful technology, which really stemmed from the work that I've been doing on wearable tech. Uh, And part of mindful technology for me is this, like, everybody hates how much they are on their own phone. Like, I don't know anyone who's not, not like, oh, yeah, like, I know I shouldn't. and Like, I hate that I do, but I do, right? Like, we all feel that way, myself included. Uh, But I think that's good because what I'm realizing is that so many of us are also open to doing things differently because we don't want to feel that way. And so what we need is some kind of guidance and some perspectives and some ideas about how we can design things differently and what are some kind of goals that we can shoot for that are not, like, the stickiest apps and like the most possible times opening an app in the day or like whatever it is we're starting to kind of move in that other direction which i think is so cool
0: wow i'm i'm happy to hear that because i've been i don't know again it's a monday so you know through the lens of today everything looks kind of uh, a little uh dystopian
1: yeah it can feel that way at times like really that and and if we kind of head down that road it's easy to see what that future looks like you know when we stand on the subway platform or whatever walk down the street and if we look around us and everyone is just buried on their phones constantly standing online anywhere it feels horrible like even if we're people that do it ourselves which i think the vast majority of us are you look around and it's like ick. like why is everyone just like stuck in their device But and so you know like if we focus on that dystopian future it certainly presents itself to us but but i also see this huge movement towards uh, mindfulness and towards wellness and taking responsibility and I think that as as designers and builders of these technologies we can really help to fuel that future and feed those urges in humanity as well which I think is a great responsibility and it is like can't happen too soon but I think the possibilities are really there
0: well not only can we but we must and if anyone is going to help humans continue to live lives worth living uh, in an age of Rampant technology, you know, who's going to humanize it if not
1: us? (laughs) It's not the humans. Yeah, it's so true. Especially
0: the people who are designing the world. Um, So, uh, you know, this is very much in line with uh, uh, some of the other uh, presentations that we're going to have on April 25th. And I want to thank you. And I want to just mention really briefly some of the other people who will be speaking uh, besides Liza Kindred. Uh, we have Kenneth Bowles, uh, who I mentioned is going to be talking about ethics. Uh, Giles Colborne on designing conversations. Carla Diana on crafting holistic product experiences using light, sound, and motion. Uh, Mike Kunjofsky on the UX of predictive behavior for the Internet of Things. And uh, Chris Nessel, uh, whose book will be out very soon, is one of ours, on designing a gen of technology. And we also have as an added bonus this um, up-and-comer uh, guy, uh, John Meta. We'll be reporting uh, on some of the trends that he's seeing in his uh, latest design and tech report. It's all taking place April twenty fifth. It is a great lineup, and it, April twenty fifth is the date. Mark calendars. It's uh, when you um, get your ticket, you also get all the recordings. So even if you can't make the make it to all, because you may be in a time zone that's different than the Eastern time zone of the U.S., recordings are included in the ticket price. It is. You can learn more at the number be two be designed com to number two be designedcom and uh, Liza Kindred thank you for joining us today Liza is uh, as I mentioned uh, author of the future of commerce and the founder of third way fashion so happy to have you with us
1: thanks Lou thanks for having me I'm excited for the conference